Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. The series that we have been uh, going through over the last month, I think it is, around about a month, uh, and goodness me, hasn't it been amazing? Yeah. How about lifting? Is it to talk about peace? Yeah. We could have talked about lots of things, but man, in the run-up to Christmas, talking about peace, I feel my heart just sort of lifted up. It feels yeah. unburdened. Yeah. Amen? It feels... Because peace is like... Peace is such an attractive quality. Yeah. It is such an attractive quality. In fact, peace, when it's translated, means nothing missing, nothing broken, wholeness. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that a beautiful thought? When I was first starting going out with my uh, wife, Laura, uh, I lived in Glasgow at the time I was studying, but uh, she lived in Dundee where my folks lived. And it was coming up to Easter, and my mum, as I said, a very righteous and thoughtful woman, gave Laura, who was coming up to visit me, a box of Cadbury's cream eggs. Saying, James, could you give these to James for, 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 you know, so that he can enjoy Easter? And my, my wife, with all the best intentions in the world, she certainly brought the box. <laughs> She brought a box of Cadbury's cream eggs, but she gave it with an apology. She said, I'm really sorry, James, but uh, something you maybe don't know about me is kind of addicted to chocolate, and there's none in there. <laughs> she ate every single one of them. And I'll be honest with you, you know, when you get given a gift and there's stuff missing, or all of it's missing, it doesn't really have the same sort of feeling. You know, I, I appreciate the efforts and thoughts of my mum, but I probably would have appreciated them more if I had a box of Cadbury's cream eggs at the end of it. You know, it was like when, when she gave them to Lauren, she knew no better. But it was a bit like entrusting, uh, you know, your private desert island to a tornado. You know, there was, a, there was, there was not, just wasn't equipped for the responsibility. She didn't know any better. Nobody did. It wasn't Laura's fault. It was a compulsion. But if you're ever being given a gift that's like, it's like pristine, and it's sort of immaculate, and it's perfectly calibrated, perfectly weighted, perfectly balanced, uh, I think, you know. Apple stuff is, is pretty overrated, but they do package it like pretty amazingly. Like it feels pretty special when you open up the package. You feel like you're five years old again, and it's like, oh, look at this. This bit all folds out. And the, you know, there's something kind of pristine, there's something kind of amazing. It, it's whole, it's pristine. There's no parts that are broken, it's totally functional. And the reality is, it feels just a little bit special. And as a result, you feel a little bit special. Yeah. You feel special in the fact that you kind of take part in it. And that's, that's because nothing's broken, nothing's missing. It's whole. Yeah. And, and it's perfect. And, yeah. and, and peace is whole. And it, and it makes us feel that way because it is special. Because it is ordained by God. Now, now peace comes in sort of, there's different sort of forms of peace. There's, there's obviously this sort of divine peace that we'll be talking about. Peace also, I think, sometimes gets interpreted as being that sort of, I'll just have my sort of uh, bubble of tranquility. You know, I'll just sort of live in my sort of little bubble land and uh, I'll be isolated and separated and that will be peace. You know, I, I sometimes like during the day when I'm looking after the kids to spend long periods of time in the kitchen. And the kitchen is kind of like my bubble of tranquility. Yeah. I'll clean everything in the kitchen. I don't care. It's chaos through there. Yeah. But that's not really peace. That's, that's, that's sort of trying to seek shelter. 
you know, shelter. What I'm talking about, peace, it's an empowerment to address adversity. We're not talking about shelter from a crisis, sanctuary from a crisis. Sure, peace will be that for you. But the peace we are talking about is something wholly different and wholly powerful. It is not uh, tepid. It is not weak. It is empowering. Amen? Well, why don't you turn with me to Philippians 4, verse 8. And it says, in the New King James Version, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the peace and and God and the God of peace will be with you. And the God of peace will be with you. Peace will be, where will it be? It will be with you. Where where will it be? Wherever you are, the peace will be. Wherever you are, the peace will be. Paul was leaving the Philippians. And he had an amazing time. It had been a great conference. And uh, he was ready to sort of move on. And and they were going separate paths. Oh, you got it, eventually. (laughs) And they're going in sort of separate directions. and, And they'd be so touched by his visit that... He was just reassuring them. He said, I'm going all the way over here. And he had some adventures over here. And they were going to be staying over here and doing all sorts of mad stuff over here. And, and there was a sense of, you know, what will happen in his absence. And he was saying, no, you don't have to worry about that because you're in the midst of peace. Peace is with you. Wherever you are, peace is with you. It doesn't matter how extreme the circumstances are. The peace of God yeah. is with you. Now, as in my last message, I, I made reference to my great enjoyment of the new television series, Planet Earth 2. Planet Earth 2 is amazing. I love it even more every single week. Uh, it's like they've taken a nature program and given it drama. I, I feel as if it's like 90% untrue, but, but it's still pretty amazing. But they had this one on recently where they had all these animals in really extreme environments, you know, deserts and just crazy places where you would never find humans. And, and, and they were making this sort of case, like, look how amazing animals are. Man, Animals can survive in these conditions. Look how they, they do amazing. Look at these beetles. They'll climb up what is the equivalent of twice the size of Mount Everest just to get the condensation from the mist in order to drink. Wow, that's really clever. Humans would never do that. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Why don't they just move to Glasgow? <laughs> They're going like, to get a drink immediately and just you know, do something else with their lives. It's like... I mean, the animal's great, they're amazing, but they're pretty stupid. They never think of moving. They, they live in extreme circumstances, and it seems that their lives are really difficult, but like a human would never do that. Humans, humans have a completely different mindset. We don't, we're not satisfied with just surviving. And, and of, of course, so, ha, humans do survive in certain places, but, but it's not what we settle for. We, 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 we strive for, for something wholly more sort of, uh, much more sort of forgiving. You know, we look for, an, we look for favorable conditions. Yeah. Amen? And we do that yeah. in everything in our lives. We look for those efficiencies. We, we don't look for the hardest path. We're not going to go up a mountain every single day for water. We just move to the top of the mountain if we had to. Yeah. Or just move somewhere altogether. Yeah. Humans don't do that because there's a drive within them. A drive yeah. to go to thrive. Yeah. Amen? You know... If it says, it says in Genesis 1, 28, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion 
over all the earth. That's, that's a mandate from God. We are not, we're not called just to sort of get by, but we are to be fruitful. We are to multiply. We are to go. We are to go places. And the title of my message is Go in Peace Today because going is a part of humanity. It's a part of who we are. It, is, it, it doesn't matter whether in a natural sense people go, they, they go for riches, they go for romance, they go for glory. But, but in, your, in, in a spiritual life, you know, we, we look for, we, we look to sort of bring the, the, the message of, of Jesus Christ who died on a cross for people's sins to every single corner of our world. And, 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 and sometimes the corners of our world are actually just around the corner. Yeah. You know, they're so close, but it's to take it. We, we are there to pioneer, to, to take whatever gifts God has placed upon our lives and to explore them and to expand yeah. them, to, to take uh, just a- anything that God has placed upon the inside of us, uh, the revelation that we have, and to, to experiment and to apply it. There's, there's something in humanity that, that, that makes us push forward, push forward towards something that, that just we're, we're being pulled to. We're not, we're not as a as a, as a species, satisfied with, with standing still. And sometimes conditions uh, imply that we do, but there is something, there's a drive upon the inside. And, and over time, I guess I can get beaten out of people, but, but there, is a, there is a drive. But the thing is, in going, you invite change. Yeah. Going invites change. When you go, you accept that you will change as a result of it. Uh, and that would be fine. That, that would be fine to sort of accept that if it weren't for the fact that when we go, when we pioneer, when we go forth, we will experience obstacles. We will experience opposition. Uh, if any of you ever turn around during worship in an evening, you'll, just, you'll probably get slightly dizzy because you'll see my youngest son just running backwards and forwards. And the funny thing is when I tell him, I, you know, I do the, the, the global sign of, slow down instead of running he then goes it in slow motion yeah. <laughs> it's quite funny actually he does and then whenever he's doing it, it's like shh you go okay he'll do the same thing but he'll just do it slower with bigger gaps in between but the little boys just love to charge around they love to go I, when i was a little boy i just loved to charge i wasn't particularly fast but but i would just bolt we'd, we'd go on family walks and i would get out the car and I remember my dad saying the first time he felt like it was a little bit out of hand was he turned around and i was on the other end of a of a field and i was just about to cross a, a, a some sort of bridge or something he's all oh, right i don't actually know where he's going to go and i'm not sure if i can catch him uh, it was one time when we were climbing up a hill it was just a grassy hill it wasn't a particularly high hill but it was steep and i charged ahead like as as i sort of did and i got to the top and I was quite sort of proud of myself. I would have been sort of eight or nine. Uh, and there was a fence there, and I, I leant against the fence. And after a moment, I just felt this almighty whack across my back. And I knew it must have been my dad, because nobody could be that powerful. It was the most powerful whack I'd ever heard, but it felt very unkind of my dad to have done that. And I turned around. And as I said, there were these very steep hills, and he must have been so quick, because he must have ran so fast to, to hide just over the horizon of this hill. So I turned around, and was... He wasn't there, but I knew it must have been him who whacked me on the back. So I, I turned around and thought that was very unkind of my dad. So I, I leant against the fence again, and, and a few moments later, I felt the whack again, and it was so sore. And I was like, Dad, what are you doing? I only ran away, and I looked around, and he disappeared again. And, and by this point, I was quite upset because the whack was rather hard, and what was more disconcerting was the speed at which he disappeared. So, <laughs> so I, I started running back down the hill, and I ran, and I, I see my dad. He's walking with my mom and my brothers, and I'm weeping and crying at the, the betrayal from my father and I'm like dad why did you whack me why did you whack me and my dad just in total puzzlement was like what are you talking about son so I was up at the top of the, the hill I was leaning against the fence
fence and, 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 and you whacked me and then ran away. And I was so distraught by this point. He said, James, was that fence over there that you, you were leaning against? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, what, the electric fence? All <laughs> 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 oh, right. Never ran into one of them before. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. Might have accused you of some child sort of whacking or something like <laughs> But there were obstacles. I, I was running, I was bolting, I was going as fast as I could. But there are sometimes electric fences in the way. There are sometimes obstacles. There are sometimes opposition that try to push you back. And, you know, we want to push those limits. And as a church, we want to push the limits. Push the, the limits of our, you know, within our community, within, within our family lives, with, within this church community. We want to push limits. But there will be times when we go that we're going to see opposition, that we're going to come in to obstacles. And what we need to know is that when God says, go, he says, go in peace. Amen? He says, go in peace. You know, coming and going, learning and growing are the realities of life, the realities of a functional life, of a life that is moving forward. And Jesus, when when he met people of faith, he told them, go in peace. Mm -hmm. Go in peace. That was a declaration, a mandate upon their lives. Go in peace. But go in peace. And so we're going we're gonna to learn today that you know, when we go, when we go in the natural, you know, there will be sort of, we're going to encounter strife. We, when, whether, whether you are a Christian or not a Christian, when you go, at some point, you are going to encounter strife. But when you go in faith at the same time, we experience peace on top of that. Experience that, that, that peace that changes the dynamic of whatever opposition it is we're coming against. I've uh, I very recently sort of set up my own business. I now sort of uh, have, I'm, I guess, the owner of a business, which seems quite grand. And uh, it's, it's quite an adventure. It, it, and I'm sort of at the moment sort of trying to find out different tactics for generating revenue, lots of different things. But in lots of ways, it's, it's really like a dream come true, a dream for many years, because I, I, I get to every single morning come in to this building and, and work in the office upstairs and, and get to be a little bit more a part of the church, which has been a dream of my dream of my life, dream of my family, me and Laura, for, for most of our married life, is to, the fact to be able to, to come and to, to work in the church. And, and it is genuinely a dream come true. But, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's this fresh new road, this new route that I'm taking. And, you know, Philippians 3.14 says, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I feel like I'm sort of, I'm, I'm, I'm pressing towards that goal. That's this new route that I'm upon. It's, it's exciting. But at the same time, I, I press towards it. But, but there's, there's a challenge at the same time because I have to generate income. I have to, I have to generate sort of a living to support my family, to, to, uh, to, to, be a sort of, to be a functioning sort of father and provider for my family. I, I have to do that. And, and, and so I'm living this dream and I'm going where I just feel like God is calling me to go. But at the same time, I'm sort of facing this adversity. And, you know, I know that, you know, Jeremiah uh, 29, 11 says that God's thoughts are for me. God's thoughts are for me. You know, he wants to prosper me. But I've discovered this in the last month, that left unchecked, the pressure of life can drown out the reassuring voice of God. Yeah. Pressure of life. Yeah. Pressure, for anyone who hasn't felt it, is just that sense of foreboding. Yeah. It's, it's like an encroaching fear. 
And it can come in different ways, of course. But, but essentially, there's this, this fear that you just feel like something is getting closer to you. Time is maybe running out. And, and it's just this foreboding. And, and, and it just brings this intimidation. And, and intimidation yields fear. And fear builds into panic. And panic constricts faith. It constricts it. And how does it constrict it? Because, because it just it, it, it drowns it out. It, 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 sort of, it, it takes center stage for whatever your attention is. But see, fear of God is totally different. See, fear of God is, is like a reverence for, for his majesty, for an appreciation of who he is. We, we sang a song this morning, and, and it's a song that, that, that we sing I, I, from time to time, and, and, and it moves me so much. It, 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 it changes my perspective almost instantly. It was that one, what a beautiful name. What a beautiful name. And, and you know what? You, you listen to the words. The bridge of that song is astounding. It's just this declaration. You have no rival. You have no equal. You are God forever. You reign. And, and it goes on and on. And, and you think of it and you're like, my goodness. Who is this God that I'm worshipping? Who is this God that I get to have relationship with? It, it changes your mindset. Your, your perception just goes just completely. Because you begin to understand. You have a reverence. You realize this is, this is, this is just a few of the things that he's God. He, he has done, he has performed. You know, you know, death has no hold of him. You know, sin has no say over him whatsoever. He has conquered in everything. And, and that's a reverence. That's a, we call it a fear of God. But it's like this, this appreciation of his, of his majesty, of who he is. And, to, and, and what it says in Psalms 11.10 is, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And wisdom is really... Just that pathway that God has defined. It's, sometimes people think it's like intelligence or knowledge. or, or it, It's just an understanding of the direction and the purpose that God has put upon your life. It's just, it's, it might not make any sense. It might not seem intellectual. But it is wisdom. It sits beyond that. But to operate in wisdom, we, we have to be able to tune in to God. And, and fear has that ability to just to ramp up the volume. Just, just to become so loud that, that you can't hear the voice of God. You can't, you can't, you can't hear him. And, and what you need to do in order to operate in, in, in wisdom is to acknowledge God's sovereignty over your circumstances. See, see, peace. Peace is the accent of wisdom. If wisdom is the voice, peace is the accent in which it's spoken. It's, it's because the two come together because there must be a peace. There must be a peace in order to receive the wisdom. Because if you're in a point of terror, it's the terror that you hear. It's the, it's the fear. It's the intimidation that, that just leads over your life. And there are, there are many ways in, in, you know, in the situations of your life. In, in my business, for instance, there's many ways in which I can go that seem like good ideas. But there's really only one way that you can go where you're going to fulfill the purpose and calling that God has put upon your life. To walk down that path of victory. And you don't get there by guessing. Because the answer is usually so counterintuitive that you would never get there on your own. It comes by listening to that still, small, powerful voice of God. Amen? There was an account in the Bible which I think is one of those, it's one of those epic, astonishing uh, just memorable verses. It doesn't matter if you go to church or don't go to church. Everybody knows Moses at the Red Sea. 
most of the Red Sea is one of the most incredible sort of parts of Scripture. It's one of those things where you read it and you're like, I can't, I can, I can barely believe this even happened. This is, seems so astonishing. And, you know, God had taken the Israelites out of uh, Egypt. They'd been captives, they'd been slaves there, and they were, they were on their way to the promised land. But, but on the way that the Egyptians had second thoughts and thought, actually, these guys were all our slaves. What are we doing letting them go away? We're going to go and chase them down. And so they were being pursued by the Egyptians, and they, they, they were out in the wilderness, and God was going to sort of take them, take them sort of to, to the promised land. And they had sort of two choices. God could have taken them through the Philistine lands, and the Philistine lands was actually the quicker route. It probably made more sense. But God realized that these guys had just come out of slavery, that they, they were a pretty beaten down people. And, and so in his, in his grace, in his mercy, he was like, I know these guys don't have the stomach for a war. I know these guys aren't ready for it. And so he said, I'm going to take you on a different road. I'm going to take you through the wilderness. Which, before we go any further, just tells me that whatever you're walking through, whichever thing you're going through, you aren't, God is not going to take you on a path that he doesn't feel you have the capacity to, to follow through. It might feel impossible. It might feel imposing. But God will not take you somewhere that you do not have the capacity to achieve. You have the capacity to get there. Amen? So as implausible as victory might seem, God has seen it. And so he was taking these guys through the wilderness. And it says in, in um, so I'm going to jump around a bit on Exodus 14, the start of verse 9. It says, the Egyptians pursued them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and overtook them camping by the sea. Just so you know, your opposition, whatever it is that is opposing you, there will seem like times where they are pursuing you, and it will seem like times they've overtaken you. Seems like they're behind you and in front of you. They will seem like you are surrounded. It goes on in verse 10. When Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes. And behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, you have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Bit of sarcasm there. <laughs> I mean, that's when the comedians come out, isn't it? When, when, when everything's going wrong, when you're pursued and surrounded. Oh, so, oh there wasn't enough graves in it, Egypt. Right? Oh, just take us out here, would you? Thanks very much, Moses. They go on. They say, why have you dealt with us uh, to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than uh, we should die in the wilderness. That fear, that fear makes us accepting of slavery and oppression. That, that, that fear that comes around us when we feel like there's an opposition, suddenly the, the oppression that we were under, I mean... It's, what is it they're saying? It's like, better the devil you know. That's, that's what they say. It's like, well, you know, it wasn't that bad, was it? Getting beaten half to death and starved and, and, and most of us dying and then murdering our children. It wasn't that bad. Yes, it was. It was terrible. That's why you're being delivered. It goes on in verse 13 to 14. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. That's a great declaration there. That's a, that's a declaration of faith. In, in, in the face of opposition, he said, you know what? I'm going to speak a word of faith to my people. 
And here's what it says. God, God then tells Moses what to do. Isn't that incredible? He says God's going to save us. Hold your peace. But he said all of that stuff before God told him what was going to happen next. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? You see, that's, that's the voice of wisdom. That's listening to the voice of wisdom. That, that you can see that God is master of all situations without necessarily knowing what the answer is. It goes on a bit later in 21 to 23. Uh, and it says, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and then made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on the right hand and on the left. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's men, horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. This is the sort of the ultimate sticker twist situation for the Egyptians. Because I'll be totally honest with you. If I was watching, you know, these people go through divided waters and, you know, that, that would seem pretty, uh, pretty astonishing. I, I'm not sure if I would be too keen to chase after them. Might be like, you go for it, guys. You go for it. You, you, if, if you wanted it that badly, that's fine. We, we don't need to kill you. It's all right. It's, but they don't. These guys pursue them. They're like, oh, well, you know, it's dry land. Let's keep going. So, so although there's like this tremendous miracle taking place, the Israelites are not out of the woods. They are not out of the woods. They are actually in this sort of no man's land, in this sort of desolate place that probably no person had ever stepped upon and probably never will step upon again. And they're stepping on this land, and yet they're still being pursued. It goes on, and I won't read it, but... Uh, but, but in the next sort of few verses, it talks about how when they got to the other side, Moses stretched out his hand again, and, and basically the, the waters came down and just swallowed up the Egyptians and, 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 and took out their entire army. And, and, and just the most amazing victory that day, that, that an entire people escaped through divided waters. I, I don't know about you, I'm pretty confident in saying this. I'm pretty sure none of us have ever seen waters divide uh, to such a degree that anyone could walk through them. That, that, is, that is an act of God. That's, that's an amazing thing. But it, but it defies logic. It totally defies logic. There are probably, at that moment in time, if they had a bit of a brainstorming session, they would have come up with thousands of ideas of how to get out of it. And every single one of them would have led to their demise. Every single one of them would have seen them either at best back in captivity and at worst slaughtered. And yet the most implausible, the, the, the plan that... that, that no one would have even dreamt of, that no one could even, could barely believe even today is what God did. Because because wisdom isn't about intelligence. Wisdom isn't about what you know and what you've read. It's it's about trusting God in a situation. It's about knowing that God's voice is the voice of our majestic king, of our great Lord, the creator of all things. And that that, that logic doesn't need to apply. Amen? Kevin said this morning uh, when he was doing his takeover, and I, I thought it was just such a, an amazing thing. It's like the measure of faith is how, willing, how much you are willing to lose in order to gain. Mm-hmm. That was, a, in terms of just standing there, to have the metal to stand on, this, uh, on, the, on the shores of the Red Sea and say, God, can you, we're going to trust you to get us out of it. Because the alternative, the, the other side of that was, was you know, decimation. And they, they, Moses, as a man, just was the, the confidence in him to stand and be like, I am willing to lose all because I know that I would gain all by trusting in you. And that was a measure of his faith. 
to you. You can only receive such wisdom when the sound of God's voice is not drowned out by the clamor of fear. That clamor of fear, it just clamors at you. It wants, it builds, it starts in a whisper and it works itself up. I'm sure that there are people here today who who have been through some of these situations, who felt like they're standing on, on a, in a wilderness. And, and they're asked, they've asked themselves, you know, I, I'm in this the moment that I need you the most. Why can I not hear you? And I think most of us good Christian people, we, we struggle to equate the fact that we know that God would never desert us. We know that. I mean, we we're not saying, God, you're unfaithful, but we struggle with the equation because in that moment of need, in that moment of peril, I just can't hear you, God. I just can't hear you. Fear is deafening. It's enveloping. It's encompassing. When you allow fear to get on the inside, you know, it's physical. It makes your heart beat so fast that you can barely hear your thoughts over it. Fear is, fear is such an all-encompassing thing that when turmoil dominates our minds, it, it amplifies that sound of fear so that the voice of wisdom is sort of drowned out. But I have a promise for you today from God. No, more than a promise. I have a covenant from you today that supersedes that hold that fear has upon us. If you would turn with me to Ezekiel 34, verse 25 to 27. I will make a covenant of peace with them and cause wild beasts to cease from the land and they will dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. I will make them and the places all around my hill a blessing. And I will cause showers to come down in their season. There shall be showers of blessing. Then the trees of the field shall yield their fruit and the earth shall yield her increase. They shall be safe in their land and they shall know that I am the Lord. When I have broken the bands of their yoke and delivered them from the hand of those who enslaved them. That's a covenant of peace right there. A covenant of peace he has for his people. And there are, there, are, there are just parts of that that just cry out to me. Dwell safely in the wilderness. Sleep in the woods. That's to be rest assured. Yeah. You are rest. You rest assured. Sometimes, you know, you're going to go to sleep. And your, your circumstances won't have been resolved. Your money problems... The financial sort of desperation that you're in, you will go to bed and they will still be there. Your health condition, you will, go to, you will get the diagnosis and you will go to bed and that will still be there. Sometimes God will heal it like that. Lots of times he won't. There'll be times where that relationship is just on the brink. It's at breaking point. And you will have to go to bed and it will still be like that. Yeah. And you will feel... Like you are not out of the woods. But that verse says there, I sleep in the woods. I sleep in the woods. It might be dark outside, but the peace of God pierces darkness. I sleep in the woods. It doesn't matter if my finances are in ruin because I sleep in the woods. It doesn't matter if my health is in question because I might not be out of the woods. But God says, I sleep in the woods. I rest assured. See, the wilderness is a lost place. Yeah. It's never a place that you intend to end up. You don't, you don't plan to go to the wilderness unless you're Bear Grylls. Yeah. <laughs> the wilderness is a lost place. But we dwell in the wilderness. And, and it says dwell safely in the wilderness. But it doesn't just go there. See, because it doesn't remain a wilderness. 
it actually says that, that it will become a hill of blessings. See, and the thing is this, what I take from that is that that hill is the altar that we make towards God. See, in, 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 that, in that wilderness, in that wilderness, you can choose to be terrified. Yeah. Or you can allow, sorry, choose is probably not the right word. You can allow, you can accept that terror to rise up upon the inside. That fear to encroach, to be enveloped by it. But you can also choose within the wilderness to build an altar, to acknowledge God. To see God and revere God and have fear of God. And see, when you build an altar, that makes the hill. And what does a hill do? Hills attract the rain. Hills attract the rain. It says that right there. The rains will come. Come where? Come into the wilderness. But I thought I had to escape the wilderness. God brings the rains into the wilderness and he makes that wilderness a prosperous place. See, we're so concerned with getting out of there. I'm not out of the woods yet. I'm not out of the woods. I've got to get out of the woods. You can sleep in the woods. You can dwell safely in the wilderness because when we build an altar to God, when we build an altar in the midst of whatever turmoil it might be that we are going through, when we build that, we, 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 we acknowledge that regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what it is that surrounds us and, 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 and separates us and, and makes us feel so, at ease, uh, so uneasy, but we build that altar to God, that reverence to God, that acknowledgement to God, that, that God, you are the God of the wilderness. You're the God of the woods. And I don't have to get out of the woods because you say I can sleep in the woods. Amen. See, the, the landscape of your life might be barren. It might be broken. But it's out of that place that God restores you. He restores life. He advances you within the wilderness. The wilderness does not remain the wilderness. The wilderness becomes the site of your greatest achievement. Just like the ba- on, the, on the banks of the, ra- uh, the Red Sea, we now stand in astonishment at what must have seemed like the most desperate of circumstances, that becomes the greatest testimony. The greatest testimony is when God turns water into wine, when he turns nothing into something, when he takes your calamity and turns it into victory. Amen? So you can, you can go anywhere safe in the knowledge that you are a part of a covenant of peace. How can I go in peace? How can I go in peace? Because the covenant comes with you. How can a covenant come with me? Because a covenant is, is blood. It's, 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 it's an exchange. It becomes a part of you. It's not something external to you. A covenant is something that is a part of your life. So when you go, the covenant goes with you. See, you're not a, you're not a tomato plant. You might have already known that. But some people live their lives as tomato plants. I feel peace when I'm in, inhab- in, in the perfect habitat. When I'm in the greenhouse, when the conditions are perfect... Now I can have peace. Now I can have prosperity. Now I can have all of the good things that God has for me. I'm a tomato. I grow and I prosper in good conditions. Take me out of that. I wither and die. I'm doomed. (laughs) But you're not a tomato. Because you don't need to be in the perfect habitat. Because the perfect habitat is within you. You carry it on the inside because you're part of a covenant. Because you take that with you. We're not, we're not called to have greenhouse faith. 
We don't need to have the perfect conditions. The conditions will often not be perfect. But God is. But God is, and he stands over all. So our greenhouse faith becomes all seasons faith, all weather faith, faith for the wilderness, faith for the woods, faith for everything. Amen? Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.